Now just take your Bibles, take your copy of the Word of God, turn with me to John chapter number 13. That's what I'm going to look at today. And I'm just going to really um, look primarily at one verse. We'll be going to a few other places that uh, throughout the Word of God to explain maybe a little bit further this one verse. But I want to give you the last commandment that Jesus ever gave to His disciples just before He went to the cross. Now, um, He calls it a new commandment. He calls it um, a commandment that is not only for disciples then, then, but for disciples now. How do you understand that all the word of disciple is, is just a follower of Jesus? And so if you're here this morning and you place faith in Christ and you've trusted Him as Lord, that means He's now your master. That means you follow Him. What He says goes. And so if you are a Christ follower today, you are a disciple. And so He's speaking to you as a disciple just as He spoke to his original disciples right here in John chapter 13. Again, I always want you to remember, remember what I say right now as your pastor, that this word that we preach on a weekly basis or teach on a weekly basis, that we read in our own personal quiet time on a weekly basis, the, the truth of the word of God is not just what God has said, but what God is saying. Can you say me? This is not just ancient words written on a page, but listen, this is truth that should be, that must be the foundation of your life if you want your life to be stable when the storms come, when the winds blow, when the rains fall. Listen, this is God's truth that we can and should build our life upon. And so right here, this is not just truth for them, but truth for me, truth for you. And it comes in John chapter 13. Have you ever heard the, the old saying that someone saved the best for last? Now, please don't misunderstand what I say when I say that. I want you to know that everything Jesus said is of utmost importance. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Matter of fact, he said, thank you. Matter of fact, he said that if we know his truth and then apply that truth to our life, that that truth will set us free. So everything Jesus spoke is his truth that has the ability to set us free so that we can actually be what God has created us to be. So all of it is important. Everything that he spoke um, while he was preaching and teaching in his earthly ministry. Everything is good. But I, I am thankful for what he gives us here in John 13. Right before he goes to the cross, he gives us something special. He gives us something that is absolutely life-changing, world-changing. If we will simply apply this... Um, individually to our everyday lives. And so look what he says, John chapter number 13, and look down at verse number 34. He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Man, what a challenge. What a blessing. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you have told us what we should do. But Lord, not only do you tell us what we should do, you show us how to do it. And then by your power, Holy Spirit, you give us the ability to do what you commanded us to do in your word. Lord, help us to understand that today. Help us to see the truth that you're speaking, not just to the disciples then, but to your disciples right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to show you how to love like Jesus loved. How do we 
love like Jesus. Because that's what he's commanded us to do. Now, why would I be sharing this message with you? Well, there's at least three reasons. The first one being what it is every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. Every time God allows me to stand before a group of people with an open Bible and share his truth. The, the, the reason I'm sharing what I'm sharing is because I feel as though that's what God has laid upon my heart. What he's placed upon me to share. I, I, I kind of like what... Uh, Jeremiah said, Jeremiah said he feels like it's this fire shut up in his bones. I know exactly what that brother's talking about. When God puts a message on your heart, it's almost like you don't even have a choice. You have to share it. You have to get it out. I'm so very thankful that God has allowed me the great privilege and opportunity to share what He places upon my heart with my church body, with my church family. And so that's the, the main reason I share any message that I share. Now what I want to encourage you to do is always is to continually pray for your pastor that God would give me clear direction as to what I need, therefore what we need. Can you say amen to that? I've told you before, and I'm going to keep telling you folks, if you want better preaching, I need better praying. So pray continually that God would place upon my heart what all of us stand in need of. I believe through much prayer and study the Word of God this week, this is what God wants for us today. That's the first reason. But let me tell you the second reason why I'm preaching on John 13, 34. And trying my best this morning by the truth of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to answer the question, how do you love like Jesus loved? Let me tell you why I'm, I'm preaching on that. Uh, not just because the Lord has laid on my heart. That's, that's first and foremost always. But, but also, now I've almost been in the, in the ministry for 23 years. In about three months... I've been in the ministry 23 years. And I can tell you something. In that time in, that the Lord has allowed me to pastor in some fashion. I, I spent about a year and a half as a youth pastor. And the rest of the time I, I've been just a senior pastor in a church somewhere. And, and in that time I've seen a lot but I ain't seen it all. And I've still got a whole lot of growing room. And I certainly don't have all the answers. I wish I could tell you that I do. But I don't. And I was telling uh, dear brother just the other day, it seems as though the more I think I'm, I'm beginning to understand, I, I begin to find out just how little I really do know. You know, that, that's what it always seems to me. But let me tell you what I know for certain, what I know for a fact after being in the, after being in the ministry for, for almost 23 years. I know that there are people who claim the name of Jesus, who claim to love Jesus, and who claim to follow Jesus. People who are in church on a regular basis. Sometimes they hold positions of leadership in the body of Christ. These people who claim to love Jesus. These people who claim to follow Jesus. These people who are faithful to being in church. Are some of the most hateful. Cantankerous. Stubborn. Mean spirited people. I've ever been around in my life. Now, that's not always the case. But that is the case from time to time. Folks, that shouldn't be. And we can all justify our actions. Well, you don't know what they said to me or what they did to me or what they didn't do. We can all say things like I've heard this before. Uh, I, I tell you what, I may be a little bit hateful. I may be a little bit mean-spirited. That's just me. That's just how I am. Do you realize, folks, listen to me now, the reason for Jesus saving us is to make us like Him. 
It's to save us from our old sinful nature and give us a new nature. Listen, through the power and person of the Holy Spirit so that we might be conformed into the image of the Son of God Himself. So really what Jesus has saved us for so that you won't be like you were. What I'm trying to tell you is if you try to give the excuse or justify your actions and say, well, that's just how I am. Quit being like you. Die to the flesh. And listen, allow God the Holy Spirit to work in you, work on you, and work through you to accomplish the purpose of not making you like you, but you like Jesus. Where people say this, well, man, I might be a little bit hateful. I might be a little bit mean-spirited. But that, that's just how my mama was. Well, quit being like your mama. My brother, I mean, that, that just runs in my family. I mean, my, my dad was... He's a little bit hateful, and my papa, he's a little bit hateful. And I'm just like my papa, and I'm just like my daddy. Well, quit being like your papa, and quit being like your daddy. And listen, start making steps and applying God's truth and relinquishing your will to God's will, and start being like Christ. Amen. Let me tell you why we need to do that. Because, folks, if we don't, we're never going to be effective. There are people all over this world who are absolutely done with organized religion. There's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of reasons. A lot of times, people don't want to be a part of an organized system of of worshiping God simply because they're running from truth. They don't want to find truth any more than a thief wants to find a policeman. I mean, they're doing everything they can to stay away from it and acknowledge it because ignorance is bliss. That's the reason a lot of people don't want anything to do with organized religion. And I would say that's probably the vast majority of why people don't want anything to do with organized religion. But there's a, there is a group of people, and I've spoken to some of them, who are absolutely done with churchianity. They're not done with Christianity. Because true Christianity, if you look at the life of Christ and what true Christianity is all about, Jesus didn't have a problem with regular, ordinary, everyday people. As a matter of fact, those people absolutely loved Him. Those people followed Him in droves. Even though they were sinful, even though they had sinful lifestyles, they realized this man, by the power in which He spake and the love by which He showed, that there was something different about Him. They wanted what He had and they chose to follow Him. Him. And he changed their life. He didn't have a problem with regular people. He had a lot of problem with religious people. He had a lot of problem with those mean-spirited, hateful people that I've already discussed this morning. But he really didn't have a problem with regular, ordinary, everyday people who were truly seeking what he had to offer. Who were truly seeking the Lord. So people today are not done with Christianity. They, they just ain't seen a lot of Christianity. They're done with churchianity. They're done with that mean-spirited, hateful outlook and attitude of people who sometimes sit on a church pew every Sunday. Folks, that shouldn't be. Spoke with someone that had been deeply hurt because of churchianity and mean-spirited, hateful people who claim to love Jesus. And it is extremely hard to get them to give anybody a chance again to listen to what you've got to say. That broke my heart. 
How many of you believe this morning we serve the God who is love? How many of you believe this morning that this is the book of love? How many of you believe this morning that in this book that we are to base our life upon, we have a message that is the message of love that God has called us to preach called the gospel? How many of you believe this morning, if you are truly going to be a follower of Christ, then you've got to do what Jesus said. And if we do what Jesus said, then we've got to pay close attention to John 13, 34. Because what he gives us here is not a suggestion, but a commandment. We serve the God of love. We preach the message of love. This is the book of love. And folks, let me tell you something else. This ought to be the place of love. Can you say it again? When people come here, or when you go to where people are, let's do everything we can by the power of God through the person of the Holy Spirit to show and share the love of Jesus. And we'll talk about more practical ways in which we do that as we go along. But first of all, this morning, I want to, I want to share with you how Jesus taught us to do what He commanded us to do. Let me tell you the mark of a good leader. A mark of a good leader is not just telling you what to do, but showing you how to do it. Can you see me? It's giving you a, a plan of action. It's giving you a direction that you are to follow. And Jesus never ever tells us to do something without then showing us through his own life how to do it. And here in John chapter 13, he does the same thing. He tells us in verse 34, listen to me, love as I have loved you. You love one another just like I have Loved you. But he shows us how to do that in John 13, verses 1 through 33. And so I want to go back and review some of that this morning. Let's go back, first of all, to John chapter number 13, the very first verse of this chapter, and look at what the Bible says there. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Say amen if you believe it. Amen. Let's look at verse 2. Watch this. And suffer being ended, the devil having now put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things. Everybody say all things. All things. Not some things, not most things, not a lot of things, not past things or present things or future things, but all things. Knowing that all things had been put into the hands of Christ and that He was come from God, if you believe it, say amen. amen. And He went to God, if you believe it, say amen. amen. Watch this now. Watch the next verse. I love it. He rose from supper and laid aside His garments and took a towel and girded Himself. Verse 5. And, that, and after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Verse 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? Verse 7 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I love that verse. Three things I want you to see this morning in this passage of Scripture. If we are going to love like Jesus loves, number one, we must love with a selfless love. A selfless love. Let's look at the picture that's painted for us here in John 13. And that day, foot washing was a custom used by pretty much everybody in that culture. 
The reason being, when they wanted to travel somewhere, they didn't have um, an automobile to go out and get in and travel where they need to travel. And when they were traveling, they didn't have paved roads to travel on. They didn't have sidewalks to travel on. At least not many. Most of the roads and paths that they had to get from point A to point B was on uh, dirt gravel roads. And, and you know, in that time, they also wore sandals. And so if they're going out um, somewhere to visit a neighbor or to maybe to go out to dinner with someone or uh, go over to someone's house for a visit, whatever it was, when they left from point A to point B and they walked along the way, they may have already gotten cleaned up good, but as they walked, their feet got dirty. And so it was a custom of that day when you come into someone's house, there was usually a water, uh, a basin of water there. They had some towels there. So that you could sit down and wash the nasty dirt off your feet before you came into the house. Now, if it was a rich home and they had uh, money, they had servants, that they would have a servant that would actually take the job up of washing the guest's feet as they came into the home. Now that was a good practice, I think. Simply because if you walk into someone's home, you don't want to dirty up their home by the dust that's on your feet. So you would wash them off or someone would wash it for you. And that's what was happening uh, in that day. That was the custom of that day. Now I want you to get the picture of what takes place here in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, you see Jesus. Now, let's answer the question. Who is Jesus? Is He the Son of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do I know Jesus is the Son of God? Well, the Bible makes it plain that He was born through what? The virgin birth. Through the seed of the Holy Spirit. Not of the seed of man, but of the seed of God. And so Jesus being the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh. Listen, not just while He was here, but before he ever got here, he was the Son of God. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus, the Bible says, was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and there wasn't anything made that was made unless it was made by Him. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. So we find there that not only is Jesus the Son of God, but He's also God the Son. How do I know He's God the Son? Well, look at all the stuff He did, He proved it. He walked on water. He raised up dead people. He caused deaf people to hear and blinded eyes to see. He would wither hands. Listen, He did things that only God could do. Why? He did things that only God could do. Why? Because He was God. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. And the Bible says something about Him right here in the first part of John chapter 13. First of all, the Bible speaks of His authority. Look down there at verse number 3. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands. Now, if, you, if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, write the margin of your Bible in your notes, Colossians 1.17. Just write Colossians 1.15-17. through 17. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Colossians chapter number 1. And verse number 15, watch what the Bible says right here. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. Watch this. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him. Who's the Him? Jesus. 
Jesus. And for Him. All things were created by Jesus. All things were created for Jesus. Look at verse 17. Watch what else it says. And He is before thing, all things, and by Him all things consist. That means even right now, Jesus is holding all things together. Without Jesus, everything falls apart. It's amazing. What is this verse telling us? It's telling us that Jesus has supreme authority. See, what really John 13 and verse number 3 is talking about is, first of all, His authority, but it also talks about His destination. Look at the last part of that verse. John chapter 13, the last part of it, verse number 3. Watch what it says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, that's His authority, and that He was come from God and went to God. That's His destination. How many of you know He didn't come from earth, but from heaven? And when He left earth through the ascension, He went back to heaven. And the Bible says right now, He's seated on the right hand of God. And how many of you know that's His rightful place? He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. He is seated on the throne right now making intercession for each and every one of us. And if that don't fire you up, I don't know what will. Jesus is praying for the things that are going on in my life. What I'm concerned about, He's concerned about. And the God of heaven is praying for me. He makes intercession for us having been seated on the throne. You need to see His authority. You need to see His destination. Where He came from and where He went back to. He is the Son of God and He has got the Son. Yet, He selflessly washed feet. He was humble. The Bible says he was a meek and lowly Savior. Philippians chapter number two says that that this same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death. Of the cross. Jesus being the creator of the universe. Jesus being the one who holds all things together. Jesus being the son of God and God the son. Who had complete authority and is now seated in heaven. That same Jesus. Did not think. He was above. Stooping down and washing feet. Wow. Humility. We could all learn a thing or two about humility, amen? If you're going to love like Jesus loves, you've got to be humble. You've got to selflessly love. You've got to quit worrying about what everybody else is going to think or what everybody else is going to say or how your reputation might be bothered when you choose to serve. None of us. None of us. Are above teaching Sunday school classes, or watching babies, or changing diapers. There's a lot of us been doing this for years, and because nobody else wants to get faithful and serve, 
It makes it tough on them. And I just want to say something before I go any further. Thank you for all the ones who have the servant's heart. You don't know what you mean to me as you pastor. You don't know what you mean to this church. What you mean to the work of the Lord. Thank you for being willing to serve. Because you love Jesus. Because you love people. Thank you for being selfless enough to say, you know what? I am willing to give of my time. I'm willing to give of my talent. I'm willing to give of my treasure so that Jesus might be glorified. Thank you for doing that. Now, if you are doing it, humble yourself a little bit and realize you're not above doing any of it. And I'm not either. None of us are. Dr. Ronnie Barefield is one of the greatest men of God that I know. Love that brother with all my heart. You talking about preach the roof down. I mean, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach with such power, authority, and clarity as Ronnie Barefield. He was one of my teachers over the Bible. The Lord has used him in an amazing way. Been pastor now for over 40 years. Got a great church. I've been to his church several times. Great man of God. Dr. Ronnie said something that I love. He said, you know what? As a pastor, I'm not above plunging the toilet under cleaning it. I'm not above sweeping the floor or mopping it. I'm not above teaching the class or preaching the sermon because all of us are in this to serve the Lord and serve people. Do you know he's right? For us to get to that place, we've got to be humble. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to realize it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Heard someone say once upon a time that Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Dr. Leonard Ravenhill, and that's pretty good, I like that, but Dr. Leonard Ravenhill comes along and he said, humility is really about not thinking of yourself at all. <laughs> and he's right. This is what Jesus does. Now Jesus didn't think less of himself, did he? The Bible says right here, he knew where he came from. He knew where he was going back to. He knew that God the Father put all things in his hand. He knew he was the Son of God. He knew he was God the Son. And he did not think somehow less of himself, but he just didn't think about himself. He was thinking about others. And let me tell you something. You, there should not be any inferiority complex among the children of God. Do you know that true humility is not you thinking less of yourself? That's false humility. And a lot of times people do that just to fish for compliments. Now let me give you an illustration. And, I, and, and, and th this hasn't happened. I just want to see if I can't illustrate my point about be, truly being humble just a little bit better. Right, brother Scotty Chapman, I, I love this brother. Thankful for him. Great man of God. Lord used him in a, in a mighty way. Now, now what if I went up to Scotty after the service? And I do this. I try to regularly. I said, brother, you've done a great job today. Thank you for playing that guitar and singing like you sing. The Lord has given you a talent um, that um, He uses for His honor and His glory, and I am thankful you are willing to be used. Now, if I go up and say, Scotty, you played well today, man. You sang good today. What if Scotty said, no, nah, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I can't sing. I can't play that guitar. Well, everybody knows that's a lie. My brother right there knows that's a lie. But a lot of times we try to do stuff like that. Let me tell you why. Because we want them to fish for a little bit of compliment. What we really want people to say is, 
No, you really did do a good job. No, you really did preach the sermon well. Or you really did sing the song well. Or you really did teach the class well. No, no, no. Listen, you don't have to think less of yourself. Jesus knew who He was. He was the Son of God. He was God the Son. He knew the authority He had. He knew all of that. Yet, He was one to say, in spite of who I am, I'm going to bend my knee and serve somebody else. True humility is not about thinking less of yourself. It's just about thinking really not of yourself at all. I'm going to put my mind on Christ. Amen. I'm going to see if I can't love Jesus and show my love for Him by loving people and serve Jesus and serve Him by serving people. Amen. That's what we do. That's what He did. It was a selfless love. Let me tell you something else. Not only is it a selfless love, but a steadfast love. The Bible says in verse number 1, John chapter 13, that those He loved... He loved to the end. So good. Now, how many of you this morning are thankful Jesus loved to the end? So thankful for that verse. Think about the setting. When he began washing feet, he washed everybody's feet. He washed Peter's feet. Even though in just a few hours, if you keep reading from John 13, you're going to find that Peter denied Jesus three times. Right? However, Jesus still washed his feet. This is Peter who had anger problems. This is Peter who had listened, spoke when he should have been listening. This is Peter uh, who has got a lot of times too big for his britches. This is Peter who Jesus had to call down several times and even rebuke. Several times. But still, he washed his brother's feet. He washed Peter's feet. Let me tell you something else. He washed Thomas's feet. You go on and read throughout the Gospels, you're going to find that Thomas is the one who doubted him. He's called doubting Thomas for a reason. Yet, Jesus washed Thomas's feet. Thomas had saw Jesus raise up dead people. Thomas had saw Jesus perform the miracles. Thomas was there when he fed the 5,000. Thomas was there when he called Lazarus from the grave. Thomas was there when he walked on water. Thomas was there when he called the sea. Yet he doubted him. But Jesus wasn't mad at him. What did he do? He washed his feet. Why? Because he loved him. Jesus didn't just love Thomas when he was believing wholeheartedly, but he loved him even the times he was doubting. He didn't just love Peter when Peter was serving in an effective way. He loved Peter when Peter was denying him. Regardless, he steadfastly loved these disciples. He loved James and John. And he washed their feet even though James and John, if you go on and and read throughout the Gospels, you're going to find that James and John was there in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus said, hey, I tell you what guys, Peter, James, and John, y'all come on with me in just a little ways. You sit right here and I want you to pray because I'm fixing to go and get along with the Father and I really need you to watch for me and pray for me during this time. Jesus came back, guess what he said? He found Peter, James, and John asleep. He went back and prayed to the Father again, came back, guess what? They're asleep again. He wakes them up and finally he says, Go ahead and take your rest. Now is the time for the Son of Man to go and do what I've really been called here to do. Even though they went to sleep on Him and left Him at the time He needed the most, 
He washed the feet of Peter, James, and John, didn't he? Let me tell you who else's feet he washed. Judas was in this crowd. And Judas was just a few hours away of denying the Lord and selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. He denied him and betrayed him, but Jesus washed his feet. What's my point? A lot of times when we are showing and sharing the love of Christ, we only do so when the conditions are just right. We'll love people as long as things are just right with us. But a lot of times when we're going through trials and tribulations, we want to be like a recluse. And we just get in our own little world and, and stay in our own little pity party and say, you know what? Now that I'm in tribulations, I'm going to tribulate a while. And I'm not serving the Lord and I'm not serving people. And I'm not loving Jesus and I'm not loving people. I'm just going to do my thing. Sometimes we do that, don't we? Absolutely we do. I have before. And sometimes, when people don't act just like we want them to act, we don't love them. Now, we'll love them as long as they're doing what pleases us. But when they do things that we don't agree with, then, hey, that's a little bit farther, too, too far for us to go. We can't travel that road. That's not how Jesus loved. The Bible says he loved them steadfastly unto the end. I heard a story one time about two fathers. One of the fathers was telling the other one about a son who went wayward. And the man just sitting there listening to the whole story. And finally, at the end of the story, he said, I'll tell you what I'd do. If that was my son, I'd be done with him. I'd never speak to him again. And the father who was telling about his problems looked at him and said, I'd do that too if that was your son. But that's, I'm not talking about your son. I'm talking about my son. How many of you realize that's how God loved us? It's how he still loves us. He never gives up on us. He loves us steadfastly. And we should love others steadfastly. Dr. Ronnie Barefield, I've had him on my mind a lot this week. But he told a story one time about an evangelist who came to his church to preach a revival service. The man's name was William. And he was up preaching one night and he began to tell a story about whenever he went to basic training. He was actually drafted into the army. And he goes to basic training and when he gets there, he's bunking right next to a guy who reads his Bible every morning. And the problem was, let's call him Billy. This young man by the name of Billy, he said, uh, he said that he hated the things of God at that time. He said he had had a rough life and he blamed God for all of it. And he was mad at God because things just didn't work out for him like he thought they ought to work out. And people had done him wrong and really hurt him. And he'd play about it. It seemed like God didn't answer his prayer. So he was completely done with God. Didn't want to hear anything about God. But every morning he would get up and see this young man next to him. Let's call him Jimmy. Jimmy would be next to him reading his Bible in his book. And he said deep down on the inside, Billy just felt as though he hated Jimmy. Because every morning he saw him reading that Bible. And after a while, morning after morning, he saw it over and over and over again. He began to say little things, make fun of him, talk bad about him, 
asked him why he was reading that trash. And, and just continually coming against him for this young man trying to serve the Lord and live for the Lord and honor God by reading his Bible. Morning after morning after morning, this happened. Until finally, one day Billy smarts off to Jimmy and Jimmy cuts his eyes back at him and Billy thinks he looks at him the wrong way so he walks over there and punches him right in the nose. He says he just busted his nose all over his face. Blood streaming down his face. And he said, Jimmy looked up at Billy with a big smile on his face and tears in his eyes and said, I still love you. And Jesus still loves you. Dr. Ronnie said whenever he said that, that pastor, that evangelist just broke down crying. Almost uncontrollably sobbing there in the pulpit. And he said, what y'all all need to know is that I was Billy. And I wouldn't be preaching here tonight. I wouldn't be Pastor William without Jimmy showing Billy the steadfast love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, folks. You need to understand. People ain't always going to act like you want to act. Things ain't always going to be like you want them to be in your own personal life. But we're still called to a steadfast love if we're going to love like Jesus. It's a selfless love. It's a steadfast love. And then the Bible says right here in John 13, it's a serving love. What did Jesus do? The Bible says he took off his outer robe and put on the servant's title. He took off his kingly robes and the sovereign became the slave. The sovereign chose to serve right there among mere human beings. Then he goes on and says to all of them, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but in just a little while you're going to know. See, really what he was pointing to was a cross. Because in the, just the next day, Jesus is going to die for them and for us. Serving us Doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Now I want to challenge you. Love like Jesus <coughs> loves. It's worth it. It's worth it. Love selflessly. Love steadfastly. Find a way to serve God and serve people. It makes all the difference. Amen? I love him, the Bible says, because he first loved me. Because I love him, and because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart, Romans 5, 5, that I must love others. Regardless of who they are, what they've done or hadn't done, what they've said, let's love people. Amen? We are the people of love. This is the book of love. We preach the message of love. The God we serve is love. Everybody stand again.
tell you what I'm going to do.